Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. I will be preaching on the epistle lesson for today, the letter of St. Paul, the Apostle to the Romans, chapter 8, 12 to 17, if you would like to follow along. Paul writes to the church and thus to us. So then, brethren, we are debtors. To whom are we indebted but to the Lord, the Lord who loves us and gave himself for us, the Lord who did not abandon us to sin and death, but came himself into this world to save us because of his great love for us. Have you ever been so appreciative of someone's love and concern for you or the compassion that they showed unto you that you desired to show them love back? This is the type of indebtedness that we have to the Lord who despite our fallenness and brokenness and often stumbling ways, loves us, loves us dearly, loves us in our brokenness, loves us in our struggles, loves us always. And we should be so overwhelmed by this love as we contemplate this love that our hearts long to show him love back. For even in the midst of the greatest terrors of this world, God's love is known in Jesus Christ. I am deeply moved by the great faith of Christians that I see in other parts of the world, where I read about one couple whose son was baptized by the priest, the Anglican priest in Baghdad. They were so grateful to the priest for bringing their son to Christ Jesus that they named the little boy after him, naming him Andrew. Praying that Andrew, like St. Andrew, who brought his brother Peter to the Lord, that this little boy, Andrew, would grow up and bring many to the Lord. This little boy was cut in half. by the militants of ISIS. His parents brought him to the priest. And they gave thanks to God for the life of their son and that he died in Jesus. What faith! These are people who truly understand that they are indebted to God because of his love for them. These are people that believe, even in the midst of the greatest horrors of this life and this world, 
These are people who can still praise and thank God in the midst of suffering and death, believing that Jesus is the final word. And knowing that their son will indeed fulfill his name of Andrew, as his story goes out, he will bring many to the Lord. And so we are indebted not to the flesh, but to God. Paul tells us that our indebtedness must not be to the flesh, that is, to the sinful desires that we often have apart from Christ. I don't know about you, but I have them all the time. Desires that well up, that are not of God, that are not of His kingdom, that are not of His Spirit. Sometimes they're small. Sometimes they're big. But it's in those times that I must confront the the lies of the flesh and the desires of my fallen self apart from Christ with the truth of God in Christ Jesus. Lest these desires take root in my heart and bear, bear forth ill fruit in my life. You know the story of the man who comes to the priest and says, Father, bless me. I'm struggling terribly with pornography. And the priest says, you're not struggling with pornography. No, yes, 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 I am. I view it every day. And the priest said, that's my point. You're not struggling with it. You're giving into it. We must confront the desires of the flesh by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. How many young adults this past week at the St. Michael's Conference came to me for holy confession? And when I got to the absolution, so many of them with tears in their eyes, having come to Jesus, not as a judge, not as one who is there to punish them, but one who is there because he loves them and desires to heal them and to help them. When we came to the absolution, I would say, and this is the best part. The cross of Jesus will be present for you. And the love of God will be poured out from the heart of his Son into your heart. And you shall be cleansed in the blood of Jesus from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And these sins will be yours no more. I'm really going to have to speak to them about that. And they would rejoice that their true identity was not in their former sins, but in the Lord God. And I would tell them, so many people think that God can do anything. And I would tell them, that's not true. The Bible tells us that the Lord cannot remember the sins that, uh, your sins that he has forgiven because they're not yours. He does not remember them. This is who we are. We are not to live according to the flesh, but according to the Lord. Not according to the ways of the world, but the ways of God's holy word. 
We are indebted not as slaves, but out of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. We must remember that Christians throughout the world are suffering even now, as well as many non-Christians. And then in the past several weeks, many have died the death of Christ. That is, they have been crucified for their faith in Jesus. We think of crucifixion as something that was done to Christians centuries upon centuries ago, and yet it is being done as we are here worshiping God. And these people are giving their lives for Jesus rather than renounce Jesus in order to live because they believe that even in the midst of such suffering, even in the midst of such suffering, that true life is found only in Christ Jesus. And so they love their lives not unto the end. They gave their life for Christ as Christ gave his life for them. It put a different perspective when I woke up this morning thinking, ah, sometime late this afternoon I'm going to leave on my vacation. By tonight I'll be in Maine and I'll be so happy. And I woke up and both girls had a fever of 102 with aches and pains. And I thought, Lord, how I suffer for you. And then I remembered. And then I remembered. And so we must fight against the flesh. We must truly struggle by turning to the Lord in prayer. We must be people who have the Word of God inscribed in their hearts and overflowing from their lips. We must be people who hunger to receive the body and blood of Jesus. Paul goes on to say that we are not to live according to the flesh lest we die. And he means spiritually, an eternal death. But if by the Spirit, that is, by the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That is, you will spiritually live. And the only way for us to put to death the deeds and the sins of the body is to be crucified with the Lord. And so while presently there are Christians who are being crucified for the Lord, we too are called spiritually to die with him in sin that we may be raised with him in glory. We must truly walk the walk. Not because walking the walk will earn us salvation, for salvation is a free gift given by God in Christ. It is not something we can earn. But because walking the walk is a proclamation to the Lord and to the church and to the world that we are His and that we love Him, that we truly believe day in and day out that we walk not according to the flesh, but according to Christ.
We are told that for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I was reminded of something this week by one of the priests at the St. Michael's Conference who I was co-teaching a class with him. And he said, remember, he said to the young men and the young women in the class, 14 to 21, somewhere in there, as we studied Genesis, he said, remember, even you young women are sons of God. Now, many translations change it to children of God now to be more inclusive. But he said, in one sense, that's, that's nice so that everyone understands that they're children of God, that God loves you not as a slave but as a child. But he says, but in doing that, we also lose something. And that is that we are invited into the relationship that Jesus Christ has with his Father from all eternity. We are the firstborn son with Christ. That is, we are the heir. The place of the firstborn son was a place of preeminence. And so we are born again into the relationship that Christ has. We take on the title of the firstborn son and therefore are heirs with Christ in the kingdom of God and become his son by adoption and grace. And so Paul goes on to write, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. That is, we are no longer slaves of sin or even slaves of God. We do not follow him simply out of fear that we will be punished. Paul says, but rather, you have received the spirit of sonship. You are not a slave, but a son. Yes, a child of God. An heir with Christ in the kingdom of God. Not a slave who fears his Lord that he might be punished, but one who is loved by his Father. It is because of this love, if we open our heart to it, and we must pray every day, Lord, open my heart to this love. Let it cast out my fear. Let it cast out my sin. Let it cast out my stubbornness. I know none of you have that particular one, but, you know, sometimes I do. Let it cast out my hardness of heart. Let it cast out my unforgiveness. Let me rejoice in the love that you have. And let me share it with others. Yes, we are called, though, however, to suffer with Christ that we may be glorified in Him. We may not, and I say may not, suffer the fate of that little boy, Andrew. We may not, and again I say may not, be crucified like those Christians. We may not be driven from this church like so many Christians have after being in that place since almost the time of the apostolic age and now are there no longer. But we are called to lay down our lives for Christ every day. So how do we do this? 
How do we bring Christ into our heart in such a powerful way that it will change our lives forever and will enable us to let go of those things which always drag us back into the flesh and attempt to enslave us? One, ask every day that Jesus come into your heart in new and wondrous ways and to make his home within your heart. Say, Lord, help me to open my heart. Make your home within me. And then something I love to, to add, it's poetic, but I, I always feel uh, happy is the only way I can uh, say it, articulate it when I pray this. And Lord, as thy holy angels sing thy praises before thee in heaven, send thy holy angels into my heart to sing before thy presence there. And bless him. And so we must invite Jesus anew every day in our hearts. And we must read the word of God. I don't care if it's even just a paragraph or a half a chapter. Or, you know, you might choose something like the letter of Jude because it's only one chapter long, the whole book. And then you can say, I read a whole book of the Bible today. But read a little bit. And put a dot in the margin or underline those words that truly speak to your heart. And when you get to something you don't understand, put a little question mark and just move on. Don't allow that to get, you know, get stuck there. But when you get done praying, say, Lord, now place thy word in my heart that it may take deep root and bear forth much fruit in my life. Come to Holy Communion. Make it your priority to worship the Lord on his day before all other things in the week. And if for any reason you absolutely cannot be here, come on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. But if you absolutely cannot make it then, then pray, Lord Jesus, bless you, Lord Jesus, as you, I invite you into my heart, Grant me, bless you again, bless me the benefit. Bless me the benefit of your presence spiritually and fill me. Come to confession. I know many of you are thinking, and that's probably exactly what you're thinking. But I encourage you, and the two Michaelites that I see here today that just returned can testify to this. There is nothing more healing and freeing than that grace of knowing that Jesus is there to receive you. What I love when the Michaelites are done uh, confessing, um, you know, I'll stand up, I'm sure the other priests do this, and, uh, and they embrace the person. And I always tease, you know, you're one of the holiest people right now on the face of the earth. And so it's my pleasure to give you a hug. But then they go out, and they're literally tackled by the other Michaelites that hug them because they're so excited of what they've encountered in confession. Not the judgment of God and the punishment of God like slaves, but the love of God and the healing of God and the grace of God. And so if your life is not first and foremost about Jesus, if it's first and foremost about you, 
or first and foremost about your worries or the world or the sins of your flesh, change that today. Make Christ the priority of your heart and life. May Christ, may not the first priority of this church be how are we going to get the, the outreach center up? Or when is that altar rail going to go in? Although sometimes I like to come in here and just kind of pretend. But rather, Christ. Let it be so in our church. Let it be so in our hearts. Let it be so in our lives. Let it be so in our ministries. Let it be so as we go out into the world. For God has not called you to be a slave, but to be a son. Live proudly as the sons of God. Let the world see in you the joy of Christ. Let the world know that God is your Father. Amen.